Welcome to the Mini Break Podcast, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, May 23rd. You know, we've taken a bit of a hiatus this week on the Mini Break Podcast front. We do apologize for, to you listeners for not telling you about that in advance, but just so you know, this is a planned vacation. This isn't the podcast, the wheels of the Mini Break Podcast falling off the Mini Break car. Uh, with the French Open around the corner, we are playing some really fr- fun preview stuff on the Cracked Rackets front. We've got some other stuff going on behind the scenes, so we kind of use this as a transition week to get ready, obviously. Um, you know, French Open, all hands on deck. So we do apologize for that, but we didn't want to leave you high and dry. So we are going to give you this as our mini break episode of the week. This will be the last one of the week, just so you listeners know, but be on the lookout. Ton of fun stuff on the Cracked Interviews podcast, the What the Deuce podcast, our Great Shot podcast. Obviously, Chris Halliors, Matt Stokowiak, and I did a full breakdown of the NCAA men's team tournament and all of the results that happened last weekend in Orlando. So go give that a listen. But joining me today, you know, we the reason I wanted to make this a mini break podcast because while there is a couple of lower level tournaments going on on the professional level, obviously challengers, there is still some NCAA tennis left to talk about this week, the individual tournament in full swing down in Orlando. After Wednesday's results, we have now reached the uh, quarterfinal round, so things are really getting interesting. We've had so many great players still in the draw. Joining me to talk about that, as he does whenever we talk college tennis, you know his content from at College Tennis Ranks. Obviously, the noted, noted biased Mississippi State fan, as he is the uncle of their Trevor Fauché. And I forgot to mention this last time, but my mother's favorite podcast guest, Chris Halioris. Welcome to the Mini Break Podcast. Hey, glad to be here, Alex. I mean, I figured, look, I we work, the original plan was to put this little individual bit at the end of the last GSP, but when we hit like the hour 20 mark, it really felt like you, me, and Stokowiak were just ready to rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was good, good to get a little break, and now we, can, uh, now we can devote this to just the individuals. Absolutely, and that is what we are going to be doing. While we could, you know, spend hours talking about each individual draw, we're really going to focus on the men's singles. Maybe I'll ask you for some predictions on the other three by the end, but there has been some outstanding tennis. Chris, the place I want to start in our conversation, though, because this was something we talked about on the GSP, and obviously we at Cracked Rackets are so thrilled to see Tennis Channel take an interest in college tennis. It's such a high level of the sport that you know when I believe, and I think you believe this as well, Chris, that if more tennis fans were exposed to it, the college game would continue to grow and grow, but as fans of the sport, and maybe for Chris and I, as two people who are working during the day, you know, it's hard for us to watch Tennis Channel when we're at work. And, you know, we for so long have benefited from things like PlaySight or, you know, when uh, hosts live stream their matches. And I just want to say, Chris, has it been, I guess from my perspective, I'll say it's been a bit difficult to follow a lot of these matches live because I'm at work nine to five. You know, how are you feeling? Yeah, I probably get a little more. Uh, I might get a little more leeway than you do because you know I get I get to do a little telecommuting a couple days a week, uh, so so I can kind of make my schedule work around anything I want to see. Now, obviously, the the first the first day was rough because they started at you know 10 a.m. and went all day, so I you know I definitely couldn't uh, couldn't catch everything. See it counterpoint is- right off the bat, and I'm so happy about that. The first day to me was perfect because it's like we have courts seven through 12, and those are there's so many good matches. I can just watch any of those streams. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I mean, good point. But I think the, the for, from a fan perspective, what they've kind of gone to here uh, since I don't know, yesterday or the day before, when where everything starts basically at four. At really, today I actually is the first day where everything's four p.m. or later. Definitely makes it easier. I'm sure it's better for the fans on site, so they don't have to spend the entire day there. But but boy, when when everything's at four p.m., you're you're stuck trying to watch three or four courts at the same time because all of the match, you know, I mean, it was crazy the good matches that came on at four o'clock today. Uh, you know, it's it's tennis overload just trying to go from court to court to court. It would actually be easier if it was on site because that that's actually the problem now. Once we've gotten down to the round of sixteen, is they 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 block the courts you know the one through six from play sites so you're stuck with only tennis channel who can clearly obviously you know only show one match at a time so if they're not showing the match you want to see and i mean you know we had nuno and timo play and we had brandon holt Yuya ito we had 
Croft or Rybakov and Habib. I mean, there were, and Riffis and Wolf came. I mean, there were so many matches going on that whatever they showed, somebody was going to be dis- disappointed they didn't get to see the other match. If I were to describe the month of May in two words, it would be tennis overload between the Rome <laughs> Masters, the Madrid Masters, NCAs. My brain is ready to explode. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think it's so nice when we're able, I mean, again, I think we said this on the GSP, but speaking for tennis nerds, when you can go, you know, three tabs wide and watch a bunch of matches at once, just to have that option. This isn't me trying to criticize Tennis Channel because, again, I think their broadcasts continue to get better. And, you know, you put two weeks into a sport, you would hope you continue to improve throughout those two weeks. But I would just like that play site option. I know fans internationally who don't have Tennis Channel, uh, I'm sure they would like that sort of option. Just because, as you mentioned, there is so much great tennis to watch. I don't want to miss out on anything. So that would be my only note thus far in the individuals. Now, you mentioned the scheduling, and I want to talk about that a little bit as well before we start, because you both texted me and I believe tweeted this point. And I'm going to take that as a compliment to me, because I feel like you got my approval on the text first, and you're like, oh, Gruskin thinks this is a good idea. I'm tweeting it out to the world. Uh, But, you know, that being said, you talked about that scheduling and there aren't too many players left in this situation, but for the players uh, who are in both the singles and doubles draw, that late start really puts them in a pickle. Oh, I mean, for sure, you know, knowing the, you know, obviously some of the players like I do, they would much rather play a 10 a.m. singles match and then come back for doubles at, you know, 5 p.m. or something, then have to play a 4 or 5 p.m. singles match and get a 45-minute break and have to turn around and play a doubles match that's a 2 out of 3. I mean, it's a 10-point breaker for the third, but still, uh, you know, a a two-set match instead of, you know, what they play during during the dual match season, which is just one set. Uh, That's a lot of you know, a lot of tennis, if you get, especially in that heat, if you get worn out in, in singles, which is easy to do, you don't want to get a 45-minute break and have to turn around and play another a doubles match. Oh, absolutely, and you talk about that heat being a factor. You look uh, in the guy, the guys left in the singles, at least. You have Riffis, you have Blumberg, you have uh, Rybakov. Those were the only guys who competed in the team event. So, yeah, just uh, for any of these guys to find any sort of extra ounce to be fresh to have that sort of energy when you're playing high-level tennis day after day. You would hope that the schedule puts them in a position to succeed the best, and this isn't a complaint. I get it. You want to broadcast these matches. In fact, we're so happy about broadcasting these matches, but yes, I I can only imagine how physical it must become at, during an 8 p.m. doubles match. You know, you're Blumberg playing with Boyd, and it's like, oh my god, what do I have to do now? Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I think the, uh, the good the good thing that'll come is, yeah, we all want to see those matches, especially those of us that are hardcore. But I think, you know, there's there's no reason that Tennis Channel, with all their Tennis Channel Plus and everything else, can, won't be able to, if if, if, they, if they see that, hey, this went off really well and there's a lot of people that want to see it, they'll figure out a way, even if it's, hey, you got to be a Tennis Channel Plus subscriber and people got to pay a couple bucks for the month of May that they could stream even the courts that necessarily weren't on the live TV show. Maybe they put them up under a paid package, you know, in the years to come. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to all be, I would assume purely based on, you know, on the draw. And if, if they're, if they're getting a huge following, yeah, sure. They'll continue to, you know, continue to put money into it and, and develop it. And if Tennis Channel does end up doing that as part of a paid package, get Chris some money. I'll take some as well because this is where you heard that idea first. They obviously haven't thought of that yet. Uh, So, yeah, you know, a little patent there for Chris. But all right, enough of the superficial stuff. Let's talk a little men's singles action. The question I want to start with for you, Chris, because I think the way these quarterfinals have broken down, we we see a lot of contender or guys we expected at least to put themselves in a position still in play. But to this point in the tournament, there's been so much good tennis. 64 players obviously start out in the draw. The most surprising result to you was? To date, it has to be Riffis, which was earlier today, Riffis beating J.J. Wolf by far the, the the most surprising result to me is it because of the haircut is it that you just can't expect someone with that hair to lose <laughs> yeah no i mean the hair the tight shorts no no i mean <laughs> just i think i think we all especially get you know given the draw and, and even if i go and just say 
I mean, I think it was going to be regardless of who it was. If anybody had beaten JJ prior to probably the final, I mean, given what was in his half of the draw, it was going to be a major, it was going to be a major upset, you know, if he had lost short of that. So it didn't really matter who it was, but then on top of it to be Riff, Riffis, who's obviously had some great results during the year, but wasn't in the best of forms coming in. He had gotten beat twice by Adam Walton from Tennessee coming down the stretch. Uh, you know, just, he wasn't winning a lot of matches and then all of a sudden, you know, gets into the tournament and he's, he's turned it on and he played phenomenal today. Uh, I mean, it was, it was definitely, I mean, I, he is, he's a great player, but, but with what JJ's done this year, it was, that was just very surprising to me. I agree with you that JJ entered as the biggest, or one of, if not the biggest favorite, but you can't, the thing you can't forget about Sam Riff is this is obvious. He's a freshman, but a former, you know, blue chip, number one recruit of his grade guy who got as high as I believe number 18 in the ITF juniors. I think he was currently ranked number 530 in the ATP uh, in singles. So this is a guy with an incredible background, and you look at his record on the year. Yeah, he he suffered some bad loss. I believe he came into this match twenty two and ten, uh, but I mean everyone knew coming into the season. Part of the reason everyone was so high on this Florida team is Sam Riffis is as talented of a player as anyone in the country. I mean he plays his best tennis. He's certainly capable of being any anyone and he showed that level you know throughout the year. Uh, he accumulated some great wins along the way, but. Yeah, I mean, definitely surprising at the very least to see Wolf go out in the way he did, and especially because we talked about this a little bit. I've seen J.J. Wolf fight from down a set. I saw it at the Big Ten tournament against Fenty. He loses that first uh, when Fenty actually beat him, but I believe uh, in other matches in the tournament, I'm trying to think where he lost the first set and then ended up running back to a win. You just always expect him to come back. And yeah, with Riffis winning in that position, you know, that bottom half of the draw has really opened up. Oh, the, yeah, f- f- absolutely. And I think, so So I'll say yes, that was my most surprising, probably my <laughs> second most surprising, which maybe is where you wanted to go, had to be Cressy losing first round. <laughs> I mean. That was and a my, shock. It was. And, and my first my first thought, you know, which I'm sure was probably for for those of us that follow really closely. The first thought for many of us was probably the dude aligned with his with playing for the United States, presumably to have the shot at winning this and getting the wild card into the U.S. Open, and then he goes out first round. And obviously, maybe that's not why. He, but I mean, just the fact no, that he did, course. maybe the fact that he did, you know, or the fact that he is, you're thinking that's why he's playing. I mean, that's for sure that's why the americans are all playing you know you see some of the international guys that uh, that don't play but the american guys that think they have a chance have to because you, you know it's a it's a wild card to the us open if you win and that was definitely that was definitely uh, a shocker uh, as well so i want you to save that uh, idea of us players they obviously want to play this because of the wild card and whether, uh, you know, with that being a thing, should anyone who wins the NCAA tournament be eligible for a wild card? Because we will talk about that. I think that's what I'm going to make our final topic. Uh, but yeah, the the Cressy loss shocked me. I was equally surprised when Aguilar beat Siskard the way he did two and three in that first round because, you know, Siskard, the way he beat Gojo the day before, you just don't sort of expect him to go out in straight sets. But I suppose that's a little bit of a championship hangover. I mean, yeah, in terms of surprising results, the place we're at in the semifinals, nothing is shocking. I thought Keegan Smith was going to make a run. He lost to Stoddard yesterday. That one surprised me a little. But I would say the biggest theme I would take away from the first you know, couple rounds of singles is that the top seeds have really held form. Yeah, they have. And I mean, and I give Sigsgard a pass. I mean, he, you know, they had played played those days in the heat all the way to the end and oh now we're giving uh, teams a pass for that no no i'm just <laughs> saying i i it not it wasn't no, I'm just a pass in that it wasn't a total shock to me i mean just just like it would i actually thought before petros and goyo withdrew uh you know i actually thought wow the way goyo looked in the final i gave geo a decent shot just because he had looked so worn down uh you know and then i i thought if you're gonna if you're gonna play the guy 
I just assume play him when he's when he's been in the heat three days in a row like that and is just absolutely whipped uh, than than playing him fresh. So um, you know it wasn't surprising from from that respect. I think so much for for Sigsgard, which actually makes even more impressive the fact that you know Ito came out and won a couple rounds uh, and he was dead and he. He actually looked at a little bit against Fam, and but won, and then he looked at again today, won the first set over Brandon Holt, but uh, but then Brandon kind of took it to him the next couple. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, I mean, I, that one wasn't quite as shocking to me. No, Ito was playing so well, it's funny, and yeah, I just think today against Holt, he ran out of steam, and to Brandon's credit, he played a great match as well, but. Yeah, it's so hard to come back after playing the team event. That's why when guys, you know, Ty Kwiatkowski, when he won the singles title, and Blumberg even making the final after both of their teams made that run. Steve Johnson's winning, you know, two straight individual singles and team titles back-to-back, always so impressive and so difficult to do. But, yeah, I mean, these other than JJ going down, uh, which I didn't mean to brush off because, obviously, that is a huge result. Uh, I just... I, I, I don't even know what to make of it at this point. Got to be frustrating if you're Coach Ty Tucker with the way this season ended for the Buckeyes. But yeah, you know, I, I guess any other thoughts about the pre-quarterfinal action before we kind of set the stage for tomorrow's matches or today's matches, I guess, for this podcast? Yeah, I don't think there was anything too, on the men's side, certainly nothing too terribly shocking beyond that in, in the first couple rounds. Yeah, and I know we saw on the women's side a ton of seeds go down. Oh, day one. Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, my fellow Michigan, uh, I I don't know about a native, but a a Michigander, you know, Kate Fahey losing first round, devastating for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were more seeds that lost, uh, I think, first round on the women's side than one. I I can't remember. I had tweeted out what it was. I thought, I think they were seven and nine or something like that. Uh, Brutal. Yeah, yeah. And so it just, again, though, but for this men's side, these top seeds have really held form. Let's kind of, we'll work our way through. I think we have to start with your Mississippi State boys because, you know, you being you. Nuno Borges, the number one seed in this tournament, a stud all year long, earns his third uh, SEC Player of the Year, the only player in college tennis history to earn three SEC Male Player of the Year honors. He's 32-2 and two on the season so far in this tournament, straight set wins over Alexis Galarno of NC State, who had played so well. Uh, then he beats Andy Andrade 3-4. and four. Then today, he just kind of rocks Timo Stott. I believe it was 0-1. Uh, he matches up against USC's Brandon Holt, who thus far takes out a Liberty player. I'm sorry, I can't see his name. The font is too small. Then the case, Mwamba. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly. And then he takes out Emil Reinberg today. He beats Ito in three sets. Let's start with the Nuno side of the equation. This guy deserves the one seed. His form has been so good as of late. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you you knew, he, he and JJ were clearly the one and two. But, I mean, everybody that's left in this field, uh, you, know, you might be able to make a, a couple arguments there. But, but, but certainly Nuno's half of the draw? I mean, holy smokes. Nuno, Ridiculous. Brandon Holt, Rybakov, and Blumberg? I mean... I'm happy you, no matter how it breaks. Yeah, you could throw those four names up in the air and pick one out and go, sure, they could do it. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it, any any of these guys, uh, you know, and, and I don't know that Nuno, I don't, I don't think you, you you may have done the research to find out. I don't think Nuno and Brandon Holt have ever played. Uh, I know Nuno's played Blumberg, and obviously he's played Rybakov several times, but uh, I don't know that he's ever played Holt. I do not know if in previous seasons, this season he has not. As you mentioned, he's matched up with the Rybakov a bunch of times this year, and so yeah, if they had, back. it would be non. I know they haven't met in college in a college match, so it would have it would have had to have been a, an outside of college match. But yeah, that I mean, I think that's going to be a tremendous match. Both guys are just so really steady. Yeah, really good ball strikers. Very steady. Neither neither one of them blows you off the court with power, but they both have that deceptive like they're they're in the middle of the rally and then you know at some point just okay now it's time to hit the forehand or the backhand or you know they they can hit the ball from both sides equally well they don't, there's nothing that either one of them is does poorly or that you you know obviously they don't do it poorly but anything that you go that's the weak spot that's what i need to pick on there's there's nothing to pick on. It's going to be more, you got to play your game, hit your spots. And, you know, when you choose to go for something, make it. Yeah. And 
having watched Nuno more and more, I just think his serve, in particular, his kick serve out wide on the ad, it's special. He sets himself up so many beautiful serve plus ones with that play. It's just been such a pleasure. This guy is such a college talent. And it's just like, why, if he wins this tournament, should he... I'm getting into it now, I suppose, but why should he not get a U.S. Open wild card? <laughs> is there a better representative of college tennis, regardless of his nationality, than Nuno, who has just been so good over his four years at Mississippi State? I mean, look, I'm not trying to take anything away from Holt. You know, I mentioned Nuno's record 32-2. and two. Holt is 22-5 and five on the year. He has played really well down the stretch. Uh, he hasn't lost a dual match since he lost to Utah on March 9th. Now he's had some matches that haven't finished, but along the way he's beaten Ito, Reinberg. Uh, he didn't finish against Blumberg, but uh, he's beaten Axel Geller. He's beaten uh, Cressy. He uh, just... This is a guy, you know, he's been Siskard during the year, Shredder. This guy has the resume you want. I guess we'll go. Any final thoughts on this match? And then can I get a pick out of you? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm taking Nuno, but I don't, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't see, I don't see this being anything like any of the first three matches he's played. I mean, I, I fully expect an all out war here at, and, and like maybe, you know, six, four in the third kind of match. Uh, if not, you know, if not tighter, uh, but I, yeah, I definitely, I think that's, it's just going to be a battle and it's not going it, to, it's going to be hot and it's not going to be a quick match. Uh, neither one of these guys is going to be, uh, you know, smacking the ball for, for winners or going for everything. They're, they're going to, they're going to rally and, and find their time. So it's going to, it's going to be a rough one that who, whoever comes out of it is, gonna, is probably not going to be the freshest guy in the world going into the next <laughs> match. Yeah, but I would argue that their opponent won't be either. So it's literally just yeah. going to be a battle to the finish. Uh, look, Holt came on the Cracked Interviews podcast, and you know I'm always biased when a guy's willing to do that. But Nuno has just been so special this season. When was the last time? Was the last time he lost to Rybakov early in the year? Yeah, yeah, the hidden duel uh, in January to Rybakov. Yeah, he, yeah he's only lost twice. He, he lost that hidden duel to Rybakov, and then he lost to J.J. Wolf at All-Americans in the final. And just the way he beat Stoddard in that. This is a guy on a mission. I think I'm going to go with you. I'm going to take Nuno as well. I apologize, Brandon. And as I so here's, here's your interesting stat of the day, too. If you want to beat Ooh. Nuno and you look at this year's scores, if you give him a game in the first set, forget it. It's over. Because the only two matches he lost, he lost the first set six love. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so, so don't let him have a game in the first set or, or you're done. If you're going to beat Nuno, you better work your ass off because uh, let me just tell you, otherwise you're not going to beat Nuno. And so uh, yeah. it's going to be a battle, but I'll tell you this, if anyone's going to embrace that opportunity, it's Brandon Holt and, you know, to knock off Ito with the form he's had recently, that is an equally impressive win. So both guys, as we mentioned, it's going to be a high level match. It's going to be a respectful match too. both such kind humans really looking forward to that one. But all right, with that said, you ready to move on? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Well, then, the next place I want to go, uh, you know what? Change up. Let's stick with this side, set the scene for the semifinals, because the bottom half of the Nuno section, as we mentioned, just this top half of the draw in general, so freaking awesome. Uh, We've got a matchup between two American tennis stalwarts. If you followed uh, American tennis closely, the the development of all the young next-gen players, you know, those 96s through 98s, I mean, these are the names we've been talking about for years now, T. CU senior Alex Rybakov, a two-time appear on the Correct Interviews pod uh, against UNC's Will Blumberg, another two-time appear on the Correct Interviews pod, so everyone should know I'm coming in with no biases because I love these guys equally. Uh, match up in this round, and you look at it, Rybakov being the senior, you would think he's the most experienced player in this matchup, but obviously Will Blumberg has been in this stage before, an NCAA singles finalist his freshman year. It's this one's going to be a battle. What do you see? You know, who, in your opinion, Chris, comes into the match in the better form? Well, you know, pr- prior to actually getting to watch today's matches, I would have said Rybakov only because Blumberg has. I mean, you know, he's nine and seven on the year, but you know, and we can all go, yeah, but take some of that with a grain of salt, right? He came, he's coming coming in off injury, working his way into form, so it's really about. How's he doing now versus how was he when he when he started the year? But 
you know, but even at that, you, you know, he lost and granted these are losses to like JJ Wolf and, and Goyo a couple times, Every, you know, he's and Soderlin, but he's beating everyone else, but still he's not, he wasn't went the big, big matches that he needed to win. He didn't, he didn't. So I would have said, you know, that the Rybakov was, but I don't know. I watched that. I watched the Bloomberg Crawford match or Blumberg Crawford and Blumberg looked phenomenal. So I don't, you know, I'm not at this point, I think, they're both probably looking pretty good. No, granted, you know the the match that we saw with Nuno and and Rybakov in the Sweet Sixteen, where Nuno just you know handled him pretty good, uh, kind of makes you think, yeah, maybe. But they're not they're not the same kind of same kind of player. So you know, Blumberg is going to hit. He's going to hit the big forehand. Uh, boy, I don't. They played in. They played it indoors this year. Uh, and Rybakov won, but again, you know, it's indoors. It was much earlier, and you know, that's three months ago. Ah, I, you know, what's crazy it's, is we were, we were both there for that. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that was a, yeah, that was a great match and one that we were. Th- you know, I only wish that you know we had the the Blumberg three months later uh, that had <laughs> had gotten a lot of play under him. But even at that, I mean, that they they went three sets. Like a, I think it was a breaker in the second, if I remember. Uh, Good memory. And, Four six seven six six two Rybakov. Okay, yeah, and then Rybakov won it in the third. But yeah, that's. I mean, there's there's no secrets there. And, and again, just just like you saw with in the first match where you said it's going to be it's two great two great kids that are going to it's going to be a respectful match. I, I the same thing here. These guys uh, are not going to be out there, you know, hooking each other, questionable calling and whatnot. It's going to they're you know they're going to play well. And I, I mean. Alex Rybakov is actually now, and because Nuno's played him several times, and I saw him at indoors, I actually I really enjoy watching him because I like watching the guys that are super competitive, but at the same time, when the other guy just hits a great shot, you know they give you the the clap yeah. of the racket. Did uh, you just no, clap your hands? The, I don't have as, a visual, but did you? Yeah, just act it yeah, out? I did. <laughs> over my head, I clap my hands <laughs> over my head. <laughs> but but yeah, you know he'll he'll give you the you know good shot and. Uh, but, hey, great uh, shot is what we say on cracking. But go on. Yeah, but I, I I like I like seeing that, and you know he, and but he's at the same time, you know he's ultra. I mean, he's a fighter, so I'm I'm really looking looking forward to seeing seeing that rematch, and and I'm dreading the fact that hey, even if Nuno can't does manage to win his match, he's got to play one of these two guys, uh, of which he's played both of them before, so. You said a ton of things there that I completely agree with. I will say for the the Rybakov loss to Nuno, you were there obviously, so you know this. We're saying Nuno played so fucking well in that match. Like it was, it was just everything you expected from a senior on his last match in a job on the job on his home court. So I don't even want to take anything away from Rybakov there because then the way he played against Siskard in that quarterfinal round was so impressive, and obviously yeah. he's followed that up with a couple of great wins here. So I agree, he comes in. And excellent form on the Blumberg note I didn't get to see his match today against Crawford but I did see some highlights on the Carolina uh, North Carolina Twitter feed and for fans who want to go see Will Blumberg at his best go watch his set point look at the serve he hits and then the forehand down the line he hits to really clinch himself the point he follows that in with a beautiful volley it's ATP level stuff. This is a guy who has the weapons ready to win on the professional level. He can shorten points. You know, physically, obviously, he was injured in that, I believe, Wake Forest match, maybe uh, even the round before that against, or it was actually in the JJ match, but, you know, he's had some time since then. Obviously, he's gotten wins under his belt, but he's able to shorten points if he needs to. He has all of the tools at his disposal. Such a talented player. But yeah, Rybakov, here's the thing. He's on his home courts in Orlando. Or, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but he goes there to train in the offseason. Obviously, he's a USTA kid, uh, so he knows these courts well. The slow condition, the heat con- heated conditions, the idea of making this a physical match benefits him. Obviously, Rybakov, a lefty with a one-handed backhand. You don't see that style every day, so I promise fans you'll love the contrast between him and just Will's power game, the way he likes to assert himself. The, again, these are two guys who know each, each other's games well. As you mentioned, it's going to be a very good match. Any final thoughts on what may be the difference? And then, of course, I'm going to ask you, give me a pick, Chris. Oh, man. I Yeah, that's going to be the hard part. So I 
honestly, what I what I think the I think a a good part of the match you're going to see is going to be that Blumberg is going to be you know Rybakov's going to play defense you know he's going to play some offense too, but more defensively than Blumberg will be, and he will put balls back in great spots, and he's going to make Blumberg hit a lot of balls, and I think it's I think it's going to come down to does Blumberg hit the balls when he needs to, and does he does he have the patience to wait until the right time and not go too early because otherwise Rybakov will just grind him all day. Uh, and I, so I think it ends up on Blumberg's uh, racket, if you will, as to can he, re- you know, can he forces force that big forehand on him and hit the winners. If he can, he probably comes out on top. And if Rybakov keeps him back on the baseline deep and, and Blumberg gets a little bit too impatient and doesn't, and he'll play up and take balls early just to sit, sit on top of the baseline. I think that'll be the difference. Um, but I'm, oh gosh, I don't know. Just, oh, just because he played one great match, I, I, uh, I can't ride him. I'm going to stick with Rybakov. I'm going to say Rybakov comes out. I like it, and I should have mentioned Rybakov, 25-4 and four on the year, obviously uh, being a high seed in this event. This is a guy we've expected to get to this round. He's played at such a high level. I don't know. Will has been really good. I mean, he just he can hit you through, you know, hit through anybody, and for, for Rybakov tactically, keeping Will honest, being able to play down the line, keeping him off balance will be so important. I'll go the other way. Ah. I don't know, man. I can't make a pick because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Oh, that come they listen. on. Grow I know. I, I literally am the most easily persuaded podcaster. If you're nice to me <laughs> once, I'm never going to pick against you. I'm just going to be I love you. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm happy. So let's say th- it's definitely going to be a 7-6 third set. Both of no. these guys are going to just be battling their asses off. Uh I'll go the other way just to be different from you. I'll take Blumberg. He's hot. He's been here before. Uh, I have no issues feeling that. Although, again, just like the previous match, I'm happy either way. So looking forward to that one being played. But all right, with that being said, let's move on to the other side of the draw. Obviously, this half still has some incredible players, Chris, but maybe not the names uh, casual fans of college tennis will be accustomed to because a lot of these guys on the bottom half, you know, their teams didn't make deep runs into the tournament. Maybe that's a little sh- a little dig at you, but the match I'll start with, uh, Gio Ordini, obviously your guy from Mississippi State. He knocks off Charlie Broom of Dartmouth, who was, I believe, a replacement for either Gojo or Hrisokos. Then he knocks off. Was it? Uh, he knocks off Santa Barbara, right? Oh, he uh, Joseph Guillen from UCSB. Yep. Then so he knocks. And off. then yeah. And then and Jack Lind, right? Then, Columbia. And then Jack Lind today. Yeah. And so for him, I mean, one could argue that for a guy who is eighteen and twelve on the year, the draw kind of broke beautifully for him, and he's displayed a good level, but. I would say he's probably a significant underdog in tomorrow's match against number four seed Paul Jubb. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so so first, hey, how many how many teams have two guys left in the singles draw? <laughs> so yeah, and what then, round did they make? And then uh, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Then, I love you, Mississippi State. That was a dig at Chris. And and then and then I'll ask, hey, how many teams have two double teams left in the draw? <laughs> Oh, same answer. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I'm just trying. I'm just still trying to get over the you know the the team loss. It's, it, that makes me somewhat happy now. You and me both. I mean, yeah. It's a testament to how talented that roster is. That clearly these these individuals were hungry after a loss that they obviously did not expect, and that they put in the week of preparation to have themselves in this position to succeed. Yeah, so so back back to the singles match. Yeah, Gio is <laughs> going to be a significant a significant underdog to Joe, and and probably the most unrecognized. And I, I won't even say he's underrated because because the people that know him won't underrate him. But just because he's not, you know, he's playing in South Carolina. He's a it was a younger kid coming in. I think he came to I think he came there when he was sixteen, maybe or seventeen. Uh, he was probably 17 he was he was a year young uh but uh but paul jubb is phenomenal i mean you know 
most I think a lot of people don't don't know him. I think he was the five seed last year. He's the four seed this year. Um, probably uh, you've got the stats. I'm going to say he probably only lost four matches this year, and two of them are to Nuno. Thirty-two and four on the year, and listen to these losses: Nuno, Nuno, JJ Wolf, and then Daniel Cuckerman for USC in three sets, though. So still not a bad loss, but yeah, I mean, thirty-two and four on the year is incredible. There's a reason he's the four seed. Yeah, so yeah, he's. I mean, he is he is phenomenal. And if you want to, if if you want to have you know watch a kid that's really good, and he and and he's going to be he's going to be something special. I mean. Watch this kid. I mean, uh, obviously, I'll I'll root for my guy Geo tomorrow. But Jub Jub is phenomenal. Uh, I remember. And, 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 oh, sorry. Go ahead. I say I think I told this. I might have said this on one of the previous pods. But when we played South Carolina in the uh, in the SEC tournament, he he took it to Nuno the first set, and oh, I remember. Then, and then the second set, uh, it was uh, it might have been three all, three two on serve, and it just was. I, I'm just sitting there watching the match going, I have no idea how Nuno's ever going to break this guy or, you know, how he's going to come back and win this match. It just doesn't look possible. And eventually he did. And then once he got the break, I think in the third, it might've been six, one or six, two, he, he, he rolled, but I saw, I see Nuno after the match and I'm like, Nuno, man, I watching him. He was like a mirror image of you. He gets to everything. He puts it back deep in the corner and Nuno just, you know, Nuno is such the humble kid. He looks at me, he goes, Chris, He's way faster than I am, <laughs> which is a true statement. I mean, Jub is incredibly at, he, he is super quick and he's just, I mean, he's phenomenal. So he, he will definitely be, uh, be a favorite, but I would, you, you can't count Geo out either. If he, especially, he looks like he's got some good form going right now. Uh, he's, he's also fun to watch. Uh, to, he's the guy though, that makes, I cringe when I watch him only because he can hit the ball so hard that when he gets in when he gets in his spurts of just absolutely crushing the ball i'm afraid that every ball is going to go into the net because he's hitting it or that the margin of error is so small it's like he's got very little room to either not hit it long or hit it into the net and uh but you know he obviously manages that well so it'll be a it'll be a fun match to watch yeah, and for Jub, look, you don't play one singles in the SEC, go 32-4, and four, not accumulate a good, some good wins along the way. But for our listeners who don't know, look, he beat Alexis Galarna, who I thought was one of the better players throughout this uh, season. He beat uh, Timo Stoddard. He beat Oliver Crawford. He beat Emil Reinberg. This is a guy, you know, he beat Juan Carlos Aguilar. This guy has played high-level tennis all year long. Uh, I, he won I, I don't futures have... over the summer. Yeah, exactly. So I don't have much else to say other than to ask, who's your pick? I imagine you're leaning Jub, or are you going to stick, stay true to your uh, to your maroon? Ah, oh, I got, I, I, I got to, I got to stay realistic here. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take Jubby. Wow, I, Coach Roberts, like I said, did you I'll, hear that? I will pull for Geo. Okay, hey, wait. All right. So if you're going to go there, I got to, <laughs> I got to tell another story. I'm sure the listeners will <laughs> love this one. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking you know i'm talking during the year to, to to trevor and and he goes hey matt's turning in matt's turning in his uh, you know all the coaches have to turn they or ha- has turned in they turn in their preseason sec picks mm-hmm. he's like he's like we want to see yours so i send him my picks which of course was florida one mississippi <laughs> state two and i hear back Matt's pissed (laughs) and I'm like hey I'm sorry unlike Gruskin who plays favorites to his guests etc I I try to stick with what I think is actually real (laughs) and uh, you know no no, Chris you're a beacon of integrity yeah as it as it turns and I just but at the same time I knew I knew all year that he was just waiting. He was just, he was going to, he was going to pounce on me if, you know, if they ended up winning the, the regular season and we, and, and Florida ended up number two because I was going to end up hearing it uh, about my pick, but I never heard a word of course, because it was <laughs> right. But, but, but yeah, so, so yes, yeah, Matt, Matt may not, well, I'm, I'm also probably pretty confident he doesn't listen to this. So <laughs> he's, he's not going to hear this. Or if he did, it would be after the fact. But no, Gio, I'll be rooting for you. But on paper, uh, I'm going to take Joe. 
All right, well, Matt, don't worry. I have your back because I think Gio will fight very valiantly. But, of course, I'm also going to take a job. Um, (laughs) I like it. Yeah, but all right. With that, let's move on to our final quarterfinal match. And, Chris, I'll say this. We might not – we actually might not hit the hour mark. Pretty impressive by the two of us. I don't believe it. We have have time. Yeah, all right. I can find 20 minutes more stuff to talk about. But, all right, our last quarterfinal match, uh, we talked about Sam Riffis' win over J.J. Wolf Throughout the tournament, he beat, you know, USC's Kuckerman, a great player. He beat Baylor number one singles player, Johannes Schredder. He has, uh, I think he lost the first set to Wolf, but that's the only set he's dropped in the tournament. He now matches up against Illinois' Alex Kovacevich, who uh, beats uh, UT Arlington 3-3 three and three in the first round. Then he knocks off, I believe, Tulane's Ewan Moore uh, in straight sets in the second. Now, in his round of 16 match, he received a withdrawal from Wake Forest Bar Botzer, who had an injury and unfortunately couldn't play. But obviously Botzer, the guy who upset Max Cressy, so that's where that opening came from in the draw. You look at these two guys, you know, Riffis played the team tournament through the semis, has a lot of tennis under his belt this past week. Kovacevic now has that added benefit of coming into this match a little bit fresh. And you look at the records of the year, Riffis 20, I think 3-ish, maybe now 25, 26, and 10. Kova now, I believe, 19, or maybe with the NCAA wins, 21, 22, and 3. You could argue that you know Kovacevic is the heavy favorite coming into this one. Yeah, I probably so. Uh, I mean, he's... He's going to be tough. He has played great. He's coming off, you know, off a day of rest, uh, where obviously Sam had to had to work his tail off. So, uh, I mean, I think on paper you you definitely have to make him the favorite. Yeah, and just I haven't gotten the chance to see him play a couple of times in person. This guy is really talented. Just hits the forehands so cleanly, so beautifully. Big one-handed backhand, able to work the site, the slice. Big first serve. I mean, with Riffis though, he's got to be riding a wave of confidence. Just given that win over JJ, given how well he played, Riffis is a guy who the first ball he thinks he can attack, he's going to. He's going to try and move forward. Obviously, he's another USTA kid, so these Orlando courts he knows quite well. I think this one's going to be a battle. It's going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot of holding serves, a lot of big serves plus one. Whoever can get the other on their back foot, probably more likely uh, to succeed in this one, obviously. I mean, uh, I would say I, I love Sam Riffis's game. I always have just such a, clean, so many, clean, you know, such a clean ball striker. I think I'm leaning towards him. Yeah, I, I, I want to lean Sam's way too. The only thing that gives me, I mean, and obviously he, he had to beat Shredder and then he had to beat Kukerman. The, the one thing that sits in the back of my mind, and I hadn't brought this up yet and, and credit, I haven't seen really any of the, any of the post-match interviews or press to see if, if they've tried to say anything. I will say that I did hear from a completely non-Ohio state, uh, related <laughs> party that, uh, before, before, it was actually before the Vossel match that uh, that Wolf had gotten hurt a little in the Blumberg match at the mm-hmm. from teams, and so I don't need, I don't know what it was, but so I'm thinking to myself, man, if 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 Wolf was a little hurt and he and he struggled with Vossel, then he struggled with Riffis. I don't know what was hurt, but maybe it's not as big as I thought. But I still, but he still even before that match he. He beat Kukerman. He beat he beat Shredder. I, I do. I kind of like, and I think, like you said, Kovacevic plays that same. I mean, he's got a he's got a big forehand just like Wolf does. Riffis is, uh, you know, Riffis plays well against big hitters because uh, he's the kind of guy that know you know he'll mix it up. He's not going to let you get in a rhythm. He's going to solve the problems on the court. I think I think some of the guys that give him more trouble are the guys that are more like him that are just solid, but not, not big hitters. Uh, I think he'll find a way to kind of just put Kovacevic in, in some awkward spots and, and, and find a way to get out of this. But I, I think that'll, I think it'll be a long, a long three setter. 
And from Kova's perspective, look at some of his on the wins on the year. He beats Blumberg, Cressy, Siskard, Crawford twice. His only losses to Wolf, uh, to Purdue's Bennett, and then to uh, Penn State's Labassier. Though for Bennett, he lost seven six in the third. Uh, in the Wolf match, he lost six and six Labassier uh, in three sets. So this is a guy that's been incredibly successful this year, as confident as anyone. I'm sure he has, you know, no fear coming into this match. But I agree. I just think it's a good matchup for Riffis. I don't think it's unfair to say we're both leaning with a Riffis pick. Yep. All right. Well, then there's one last thing I want to do uh, before we talk about our final question. That, of course, is... A little bit of predicting, you know, I can't let you get out of here without hearing your picks because as I mentioned, I believe this will be our only mini break of the week. Uh, so Chris, you, you've set the semifinals. Give me your pick for the men's singles winner. Uh, I'm going to stick, I'm going to say, so I've, I've given you the picks into the, into the semis. I'll, I'll say, uh, uh, I'm going to say that Nuno beats Rybakov to make the final. Uh, and I will say Jub beats Riffis and we get a Nuno Jub rematch and uh of course I'm picking Nuno but yeah those are those are two of the closest matches he's he's had all year so it, I mean it'll there's no doubt we're probably in for another three set battle but I'll take I'll take Nuno so I like the pick of Jub obviously I like the pick of Riffis I'll take Riffis in that matchup give me a Sam Riffis finals appearance and you have to wonder if he's able to win this title that U.S. Oh. Open paycheck, now oh. things become very, very interesting for the young Florida Gator. Uh, yeah, so I like him on that side. Oh, you're going to make me pick between Nuno, uh, any, Nuno Holt, Blumbrey, and Rybakov? Uh. Uh, you already took Nuno, so you can't take Holt. And you took uh, Blumberg, so you can't take Rybakov. Uh, so I you got to take Blumberg or, or Nuno. <laughs> And there's and and there's his Blumberg beat Nuno in the semis two years ago, so it could be another semifinal rematch between those two. Here's the thing, though. I believe in our GSP. I picked the UNC to be an early season favorite, and if Blumberg wins the NCAA title, it would be very tempting for him to turn pro as well, and that puts a huge uh, stab into that prediction. Yeah, that's that's uh, well. I, I well before we jump to that topic, you got to give me your pick. Stop waffling. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I can't Stop agree with you. Stop thinking about who's been on your pod. You know? Yeah, I just don't want to agree with you as well. I love the Nuno pick. I think I'll take Blumberg over Riffis. I think it's Will's time. Will just looks. If he's no, but do you want to pick someone who you watch hit themselves in the dick and then sustain a serious <laughs> injury? I mean, it's a tough pick. Uh,. I, what does it mean that, that he was able to come back from that if that's what he did? I, it means us, uh, we, huevos of steel. Huevos of steel. Oh, okay. Um, oh. Fine, I'll take Blumberg. That's fine. Uh, I, I'm, I say that like remorsefully. I'm totally I know. cool with anyone winning. So, yeah, give me yeah, Will Blumberg. Next time he's on the pod, I'm good. I, I need to be there so I can say, did you hear how, how, how much buyer's remorse that Gruskin had when he picked you to win? <laughs> All right, then real quick, so, we'll go th- – yeah, sorry. Well, yeah, let, let, let's so let's just talk about that for a second. How, so, of all the guys left, there's only uh, there's only one, and that's Rybakov. Who, if he won, there's no decision to be made because he's a senior. He gets the wild card, and Ooh, he gets. I the, like this tangent, and he gets the paycheck. Then we have then we have three guys that are foreigners in uh, Nuno Jubby and and Geo that. It's irrelevant, but we have four other guys left now. So we've got Brandon Holt, we've got Blumberg, we've got Sam Riffis, and Alex Kovacevic. If any of those four, which is half the field that's left, win, right, they have to make a decision of do I come back for my next year of college or do I say, you know what, I'll turn pro just for the sake of it, I'm sure our listeners don't know. And I actually went to look it up. I said, what was last year? You know, in the, you get the wild card into a grand slam. You get money for being a first round loser. Last year, the first round losers in the men's singles at the U.S. Open paid $54,000. Mm. So now I ask you, if Brandon the whole, if, if Will Blumberg, if Kovacevic or if Sam Riffis wins the tournament and says, I've already got it in the bank if I just say yes. 
do you take the 54 grand or do you say, no, I'm going back for another year of college? My money says Blumberg is gone. I mean, he may be gone anyway, but if there's 54 grand hanging there, he's gone. Um, I, I don't know about, I, I really have no clue of Holt, Kovacevic, Riffis. I don't, I, I have no idea. Well, you know, having had the privilege of interviewing a couple of those guys, I talked a little bit about it with both Will and Brandon, and both guys sounded very committed at the time to coming back for their senior years, but both are well aware of the transition tour being in flux of how, not foolish, but how counterproductive it would be to turn down a payday like that. Now, both of them said going pro is not a matter of is the money there. There are many factors that come into that decision, but yeah, you really have to wonder. I don't know if I'm Kova. It depends, well, right? It depends. The wild you, cards that come alongside of it as well are very beneficial. It just you play all summer, you see how you do, and the nice thing is you can p- postpone that decision if you don't do well in the challengers in the summer. You know, you have that on your background. But yeah, you bring up a good point in that it's not just okay. So yeah, there's the one. The one part of it is, hey, there's there's fifty or sixty grand out there that you're going to get automatically, but. The, but the other, the flip side to that is, and I don't know everybody's situation. I'd have to go look them up. Riffis, I know, has a few a few decent points because he won a couple rounds in the Orlando Challenger this year. I don't know what Kova's uh, ATP uh, numbers uh, uh, look like. I don't know what Brandon's look like, uh, and I think well, actually, I don't know what Will's look like either. But I like I think Will would be gone either way. So, you know, the flip side of that is. So if you say, sure, I'll turn pro and take the money, if you don't have enough points to get you into anything but a 25, 15 or 25K futures, it's, that's, that's, that may not be a very good decision. You at least need to be able to get yourself into challenger events. No, I agree with you. And real quick, I did a little research. For Blumberg, he is currently 446 in the ATP rankings for Brandon. So he's not getting into challengers. No, I, I maybe not for Brandon Holt. He's currently four ninety four. He's uh, not. Yeah, that's a little low. Riffis might five twenty nine. Oh, so yeah, he's Kofa yeah. So, Savage not in the rankings, although I could be spelling his name wrong, but I don't think I am. No, I don't think you. Are. I don't think he's got any. So they're all yeah. So so basically, they're all kind all of in flux. Guys, yeah, it would be none of them have unless that you know unless do, winning that got them you know, a little more notoriety to, to where somebody was going to give him a wild card. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be tough to just to, to jump. Uh, now may, and now maybe, maybe they have ITF rankings that are high enough to, to get them one of the ITF reserve spots. Um, uh, I don't know, but yeah, it'll, it's an interest. It'll, it'll be an interesting thing. And obviously who knows, we, we may not even get to see it. The one thing we know though, is because we've got Riffis versus Kovacevic on one side, we've got Blumberg versus Rybukov. We, at a minimum, have two Americans in the semifinals. And then, depending on whether Holt can beat Borges or not, Brandon could be a third. So, and we're, and there's, and the, the Jub or Dini match, there's obviously it's, that's going to be a foreigner. So we have either two or three Americans in the semis. So there's a, a, and on opposite sides. So there's a chance there could be none, but we could have, uh, could have an all American final or, or, you know, anywhere from zero, zero to two in there still. Well, that's a perfect transition to what I want to talk about for our final topic. Uh, so, Wes, give me one last bell real quick. Uh, but you mentioned all these American players who will now have to weigh that decision and something I think that hangs over this time every year. Obviously, the U.S. Open gives a wild card to these NCAA champions if they are American, the U.S. Open being a USTA event, the USTA uh, obviously having put in a lot of resources, time, money into a lot of these young American players succeeding at that level. They have an added incentive to give wild cards to those players. And we saw in this tournament, you know, Gojo, who's likely turning pro, he drops out of the individuals. Petros, who's a uh, senior, but obviously uh, not American. He drops out of the singles because he does And you look at guys like Nuno and Jub, they're not, and Geo, they're not going to have a chance to compete for that wild card. And recently I got in a debate with someone about this. Should the US, uh, the USTA, US Open give a wild card to the college winner, regardless of their nationality? Uh, before I even interject, Chris, what are your thoughts on that topic? 
Well, I mean, I, my my thought is I would love to see that, yes, and for a multitude of reasons. One is, you know, and it, it's not so much from the from the perspective of the USTA and the US Open, uh, but it would be looking at it from the perspective of the college side, which means, you know, the NCAA and the ITA kind of need to see what they can, you know, what they can do to talk to, to the USTA and to the US Open folks. But you obviously have a lot of these foreign guys that just don't play because that's not that opportunity is not there for them. And it would, the level of the playing field in the individuals would just get better. Now, obviously Petros and, and, and Goyo had planned on playing uh, and you know what, between probably playing three days in the heat and losing and they were just, you know, not, you know, labored, bummed, whatever, not up to it. And, and they withdrew. Soderland wasn't even in to start with. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So those guys, if you tell them, Hey, there's a spot in the U S open on the line, they're all in. Right. So, that, so yes, it helps. The, it would help the college event from that standpoint. But then on the flip side now, and I'm hoping that maybe with the fact that the USTA has kind of gotten in bed with the college game a little bit here by hosting it at their facility, that now that they're kind of, you know, they're somewhat in the business of promoting college tennis now because they're having, they're having this event at their site. It's going to be there again in two years that maybe they're going to see, wow, this is, you know, this is a big deal. We're, we're drawing a lot of fans in. We're it's getting more notoriety, and maybe maybe they get a little more pressure put on them. Maybe they will come around and go. You know what? We think that the winner ought to get a wild card, regardless uh, whether they're American or not. So I would I would hope that that someday we get there. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, short answer is yeah. I I think they ought to give it to whoever wins. You know, American or not. So my counter to you and you know. A good writer like myself knows that you got to start with an antithesis. So I want to speak to why the USTA wouldn't do it, and these points aren't my own. I was texting about this with Jonathan Kelly, and I, you know, I'm not sure if he's has a formed opinion one way or the other on the topic. But we were kind of batting back and forth uh, between both sides, and you know. It's a really good point you make. The USTA, their goal is not to promote just college tennis. Their goal is to promote American tennis. It's, you know, they're not going to get credit for a guy, this was the example used, like Benjamin Becker, who uh, had a good career after going to Baylor, but they don't see any benefit for that. You know, they are giving it to these players like the Riffises, like the Oliver Crawfords, Brandon Holt, Will Blumbergs, and you know, to waste that $40,000, $50,000 payday. And it's not to say to waste, but to use it on a non-American player when, you know, Roland Garros or Wimbledon or the Australian Open aren't giving reciprocal wild cards to college players. It would, you know, t- take away an opportunity from an American player. And in the end, again, the goal of the USDA is to advance American tennis. American fans get mad when there aren't American players in Grand Slam finals. So, you know, why would you want to take away an opportunity to put an American in that position to play? But the flip side is exactly what you argued. The USDA now has a stake in college tennis. And if the if the theme, and the, obviously you can see which way I'm about to argue by the passion in my voice, if the goal is to promote college tennis, there is no better representative than a Nuno Borges or a Petros Trisokos who, even though they're not American, to put college tennis in that display, you know the Mississippi State Bulldogs fans are going to show up. You know the Demon Deacon crazies are going to go to a match like that. We saw it with J.C. Aragoni and Ty Kwiatkowski both getting to the U.S. Open a few years ago. How many people enjoy those American college players? But I don't think it's just the Americans they would enjoy. I think... They would just enjoy any representative of college tennis because any player who makes the quarterfinals level at this point is a really freaking good player. And so I don't think you're missing out anything from that perspective. Now, again, it's I'm biased. I love college tennis, but the winner of the NCAA tournament is the best representative of that season. They were the player, you know, male or female that came out on top. And I just don't get why we would if if the goal of the USCA is now to promote college tennis, why take away an opportunity to do that by not giving the wild card because that player wasn't born in America? Uh, I, I agree, and 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 maybe we see kind of the first step is a let's meet halfway in between. And I've seen several of the foreign players even tweet some things to this effect, and that is, hey, how about 
if a foreigner wins it, you give them a wild card into qualies, right? Now, I, it's, doing that would make it a tough sell because now you almost now you're just flat out going, yeah, if you're American, you get into the main draw, but if you're a foreigner, you get into qualies. But heck, it's better than nothing, which is what they've got now. So at that point, you're not taking away the payday. And and yeah, I'm I'm with you. If by not giving that to the an international winner of the of the NCAA's, you open up a wild card that be, can be given to an American player who obviously, if he needs a wild card in, into the U.S. Open, is not making a you know not just soaking in the money. Right? He could use the fifty thousand dollar payday for get getting in and losing first round if if that is indeed what ends up happening. So by all means, then let's let's start there. But at least let's let's get these guys get them get them a wild card into qualifying and, and, and try to earn their way in. Do you think you and I, with all the work we've done promoting college tennis, have the power to, if a Nuno wins the NCAA tournament, persuade the U.S. Open via Twitter likes or retweets to give them a wild card? <laughs> okay, these are my favorite crazy Gruskin takes. <laughs> yeah, of course we don't, but man, I would love to think we did. <laughs> if you think I haven't been on long runs recently thinking, okay, what could I do on social media to get Nuno a shot at the wild card if he wins? <laughs> You're crazy because that's literally been what I've schemed about. I'm like, okay, I think we can do it. I just have to get like Manny Diaz on board and then I have to get like yada, yada, yada and just go from there. I I think what you need to do is you need to put it – you need to tag that at the end of the, hey, Wendy's, how many retweets do I need to get free chicken nuggets for a year? And you'll instantly get a million – You'll get a million retweets, and as long as you have at the end, give Nuno the U.S. Open wild card and you tag the U.S. Open, they'll get flooded. First of all, <laughs> Nuno is not a chicken nugget. He's a Big Mac, so uh, that's that's insulting. Blumberg's definitely a double quarter pounder with cheese. I mean, Paul Jubb it screams of bacon and sour cream baked potato. Uh, uh, <laughs> Gio's, Gio's got to be like lasagna right <laughs> Gio's the side salad Gio's like I, I need a dollar on the happy meal uh, <laughs> I mean Rybakov is obviously a large order of McDonald's french fries both in body figure and just stature um, no but enough that's how you know we're off the rails but that's the sort of content we need to get over the hour mark with which we have just done uh, Chris obviously thank you so much as always for everything you've done during the college tennis season it's so much fun for me to get to have you on to get to do these conversations because you're the one of the few people who tolerate some of my insanity uh any final thoughts on this individual uh tournament and any final thoughts on the college season at large no i think well you know i i think we'll end we'll have to do another uh at some point uh we'll i'll we'll do, recap action uh, we'll do a recap and maybe i'll do the uh i'll try to do is the the bulk of the research for the next one, but the, the <laughs> one of the things that's always the, the one of the favorite parts of the season of mine, which is actually during the off season is the ITA kickoff draft, which, which ends up happening very shortly after the tournament. I mean, it's, it's early June generally when this happens. And so that is, that is when uh, at this point, everybody gets to pick on Mississippi state um, because they should buy, they I'm sure they will easily uh, be the team that uh, everybody wants to go to their site next year since they lose uh, four of the six starters. But, uh, but yeah, that we, we will have to do a preview of, of maybe of that event and a recap of the, uh, uh, of how this turned out. But, uh, but no, I think, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's been a great year. Thank you for, uh, for having me along. Uh, obviously uh, I told you before, Hey, you, you lead us there. I just add, uh, <laughs> I had some, I had some good color and things that make your mom smile. <laughs> I was about to say you don't need to flatter me, but that was good. Yeah. That was really good. <laughs> I will say this: didn't we mention at the beginning of this podcast tennis overload? Is the kickoff draft really that close? Yeah, I mean, I I, I was trying to remember the date last year, but it's like the second week of June or first week of June or something. I mean, they do it very soon after the NCAA tournament. I mean, it's it hap- it ends up happening pretty pretty quickly. Uh, so I, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll see that uh, see that coming around, and yeah. you know I'll have to, I'll have to give you so so my my one last parting shot to add a little more humor <laughs> uh, one last a little more humor to the show. I have I have a 
uh, a seven, 17, soon to be 18 year old stepdaughter that just graduated high school. So she's only one year younger than him. But wait, time out. West off. Cue the applause real quick. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So, uh, so she, and she came to indoors with me, uh, and was watching and since seeing him in person, uh, <laughs> and ever since she believes that Sam Riffis is most the, handsome player in college tennis, the hottest player in college tennis. <laughs> so I text her today after the, after the, I say, Hey, did you see your boy win? And she's like, no, I didn't know it was on. And so, and I, so, so I'll, I'll leave you with the, the last text I get back from her. He's hot and good at tennis. Why is he on, why is he on Florida's team? He's the only cute one, <laughs> which, which I immediately texted to, to Tanner stop. And, so, but uh, yeah. you know, that, that, that actually made me, that made me laugh. So, so Sam, I hope you're, I hope you're listening. I had actually, and I don't know why I never did this, but after the indoors experience, uh, and I was at the SEC tournament in Gainesville uh, all along the way, I was actually going to get Sam to do a video with me and, and just kind of, <laughs> and give me the, Hey, Amber, wish you were here. And then have her just totally <laughs> flip out, but the, but it, but I never, I, I never did. So you know, we'll no. have to save that for another day. I love it. I, I know this pod's long, and I don't want this in public. So West off, cue a little violin sound effect for me, please. <laughs> And we're back. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was my thought for you, Chris, on the Riffis topic. Uh, so we can leave that there. But yeah, <laughs> perfect way to end uh, this mini break. It's been yeah, as you mentioned, such a fun season. I always enjoy it with you. But one last time, any final thoughts? No, it's, uh, I'm just excited for the weekend. Hopefully, maybe I'll even get to call you. You know, if our if our, any of our guys manage to make it to make it to the semis. Uh, I'm going to do my best to find my way down to Orlando. So maybe, maybe I'll give a little, uh, maybe I'll give a little Twitter action from down in the, down in Orlando. If I somehow manage to find my way down there. Uh, part one will be to try and get you into the booth while you're down there. And if we can do that, we can get <laughs> Nuno into the U S open for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then with that, shout out to our super producers, Max Flinkner and Daniel Westoff, who have a f- of an editing job to do, as always, and have been obviously our lifeline in terms of getting these podcasts to you. For our listeners, again, this will be our only mini break podcast of the week, but we will be doing uh, French Open previews on the GSP. Hopefully, we'll have some more great cracked interviews lined up, I'm sure. There will be mini breaks throughout the French Open, as we're not going to want to miss out on any of the action, but... I'll ask you one last time. Check out our website, CrackedRackets.com, social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Check out our stuff. Check out Chris's stuff at College Tennis Ranks. I know he will always have a fun of ton stuff for you guys throughout the summer, so don't be shy. Go give that a look. But one last time for my wonderful co-host, Chris Hallioris, for our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, and for our entire team at Cracked Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. We went over the hour mark, Chris, but what do we tell our listeners? That's the break. I love it, and we will see you all next time. Thanks, everyone.